Hello, I'm Brianna Patterson, and welcome to the eBiomedicine podcast. On today's episode, we'll be looking at the importance of localized research. My first guest is a familiar voice, senior editor of eBiomedicine and the usual host of this podcast, Liam Messon. Hi, Liam. Hi, Bri. So, Liam, in eBiomedicine October issue, a paper entitled a feasibility study of controlled human infection with streptococcus pneumoniae in Malawi was published. Can you give me a brief summary of what struck you about this paper? Of course. Um, As you say, uh, for this study, the authors established the feasibility of safely infecting humans um, with streptococcus pneumoniae. Now, once such a model has been established, it can be used, um, for instance, to help with future vaccine development, an important aim. In itself, what I found the most interesting about this paper is that the authors have replicated an approach they first mastered in the UK, in Malawi, a region with a much higher burden of pneumococcal disease. In addition, Malawi has a different pneumococcal epidemiology compared to the UK, and those differences will be reflected in vaccine efficacy and patient immune response. Now, by studying the disease in situ, researchers have a better chance of treating it in the populations most affected. And on a broader scale... What big questions do you think this paper addresses in the scientific community? There are countless examples of work not translating from the lab to the clinic, and a failure to take into account regional differences, say between patients in the UK and Malawi, is one of the reasons for this failure. I hope this paper and papers like it will encourage other groups that are not already doing so to localise their work where a disease's negative impact is most keenly felt. To find out more, I got the opportunity to speak to Dr. Ben Morton, Senior Clinical Lecturer at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine and lead author of this paper. I also spoke with his colleague, Dr. Anthony Chowa, Study Physician and Clinical Research Fellow at the Malawi Liverpool Wellcome Trust, who will be continuing some of this team's work in Malawi. So Anthony, can you tell me a little bit more about Streptococcus pneumoniae? So to begin with, Streptococcus pneumoniae is uh, an infectious bacterium. And uh, over the years, we have seen quite a lot of, a lot of interest across the globe from scientists. Uh, and it's chiefly uh, due to its uh, high mobility as well as mortality uh, associated with it. Microbiologically speaking, it is a gram-positive cocci. Uh, it is an anaerobic uh, bacterium. And uh, what we, uh, we are, what we know so far is that there are at least hundred uh, documented serotypes. Most of these are pathogenic, but only a minority of them are known to cause active pneumococcal disease. Um, in terms of transmission, um, it is uh, we know that the nose is the main reservoir for uh, Streptococcus pneumoniae, and. Uh, Transmission is chiefly uh, via direct uh, person-to-person contact through uh, infected respiratory droplets. In terms of the burden of disease, uh, it's quite spread out. We have quite a lot of documentation on this as well. Uh, For example, there's a study uh, by Brian uh, War et al., which shows that um, about uh, between 300,000 and 500,000 pneumococcal deaths in children um, uh, are actually attributable to uh, pneumococcal disease. Um, And this was uh, shown uh, in a study in 2015. 
And what is more worrying as well is that the majority of these deaths are in sub-Saharan Africa and of course partly in, the, in Asia. So uh, that's a little bit of the background about uh, streptococcus pneumonia. The current work is, to a certain extent, a replication of work carried out in the United Kingdom. Why replicate this work in Malawi? So the UK Experimental Human Pneumococcal Challenge uh, demonstrated that the model is viable. Again, it also showed uh, that it is safe. And of course, it also showed that the uh, pneumococcal vaccines actually reduce uh, pneumococcal courage. On the other hand, in the context of sub-Saharan Africa, and this includes uh, Malawi to be specific, we see quite a high persistence uh, of uh, pneumococcal courage as well as uh, community transmission. And this is uh, evidenced by several studies which have been done uh, locally. For example, there is a study uh, by Todd Swatout et al. Uh, and of course also have local surveillance data uh, done by uh, PCV PA consortium, which have demonstrated that uh, um, there is high persistence uh, in terms of pneumococcal courage as well as transmission in children, regardless of vaccination status. They've also shown that there is a high courage as well as transmission of pneumococcus in HIV-infected adults. So looking at uh, such a background, uh, we uh, we wanted to, um, uh, we understand that uh, uh, PCV uh, pneumococcal conjugate vaccines are suboptimal uh, regarding uh, reduction in pneumococcal courage as well as transmission. It is this background that we thought of transferring the model to Malawi we adopted and developed it so that we can use it as a platform for uh, informing vaccine development as well as uh, testing new vaccines. So Ben, what were the main findings of your work in Malawi? Um, this was a feasibility study. Um, so our, our main aim was to demonstrate that um, the model, when transferred, uh, was safe in a Malawian context. So we know from the UK model, which has been run for over a decade, um, that um, um, we've not had any episodes of, um, of uh, carriage-related uh, illness in uh, more than 15 1500 participants who've, who've gone through this model in the UK so that the, the SOPs um, and the safety data is very well established in, in the UK and what we wanted to do is to make sure in a very robust and controlled way that we could transfer those SOPs to Malawi and so we went through um, the regulatory and ethical processes. Uh, there's a lot of groundwork that went in um, because controlled human infection model, the concepts hadn't been, it's not been established in Malawi before. So we, we um, did a lot of kind of qualitative work um, prior to um, prior to actually doing the feasibility study just to prepare the ground. Um, and that, that work was very, um, people were very engaged with it. Um, uh, and um, the, 
one of the messages from the ethical framework was that it would be ethical to do this in Malawi as long as participants um, have the same protections and more than uh, those participants who um, have uh, been recruited in the UK. And so that's what we did. Um, so we designed a study uh, with exactly the same standard of operating procedures with additional protections. Um, so one in particular was that we offered a residential stay uh, after inoculation, which isn't done in the UK. From our perspective, um, it was um, really, really important to um, to to be reassured that our participants weren't going to come to any harm. And so that, that was the main aim. Is it safe? And uh, we, we, we monitored participants very closely. Um, it's a predominantly asymptomatic model, so participants don't feel unwell with this controlled human infection study. There are other models, not pneumococcal models, where the participant actually contracts the disease and feels unwell. But for, for a pneumococcal model, they don't feel unwell. And so we, what we did was we randomised participants to receive either the bug, pneumococcus serotype 6b, uh, which is the serotype with most evidence behind it from the UK setting, uh, or normal saline. So we so in a blinded way, the participants were inoculated um, to the bacteria three, or to saline to one, um, and we we did a dose escalation study so that um, we started with a low dose, uh, twenty thousand, moving up to the eighty thousand dose, which is the expected dose. That's the dose that we use in the UK setting, uh, with provision. Uh, to move up to the 160,000 dose, which again has been used safely in the UK. And so what we found was that um, we, we were able to induce carriage um, at the 20,000 dose. Um, we had a kind of a priori criteria, so we knew that we would be inoculating 12 participants in each group, nine to the bacteria and three to the saline group. And what, what we our a priori criteria, which we published um, prior to um, prior to doing the work, uh, was that uh, we wanted to have four participants who were who developed carriage after challenge, and so. Um, we didn't meet criteria for that in the 20,000 group, and so we progressed to the 80,000 group, which is where we did meet criteria. And so we were able to stop the study at the 80,000 without progression to the 160,000 group. And again, that was done um, deliberately so that we would um, subject as, as, as few participants as possible to this feasibility study to, one, demonstrate that it's safe which we which we demonstrated there was no kind of adverse events within this um, and there was certainly no difference in symptoms that participants described such as runny nose etc between the saline and the bacterial groups um, and uh, yeah to demonstrate that we could do it uh, so uh, we did demonstrate that the that the model is feasible in Malawi so um, so we were really happy with that. That was our kind of primary, the two kind of main aims. The, the, 
massive advantage of a controlled human infection study is that you can have uh, longitudinal sampling uh, with control over when the subject is challenged, when the vaccine is administered. Obviously, vaccines weren't administered in the study. And so you can do immunological sampling. So we, we've got a complete set of immunological samples throughout uh, the period uh, patients were um, involved in the study. And so, as um, we described this in the paper, as exploratory outcomes, we looked at Im- immunological markers uh, throughout. Again, this was feasibility. A lot of these new assays were new in uh, in the Malawian context, and so we wanted to demonstrate we could do them uh, effectively and safely, and so we did. And now that you've shown the study is feasible in Malawi, what's next for your group? So really, the feasibility study was a success. Um, it has actually informed uh, the current study we are uh, actually implementing. This is uh, a P- the PCB13 study. Uh, it's basically, uh, we are looking at the influence of pneumococcal conjugate vaccine on nasal colonization in a controlled human infection model. So it is a randomized, uh, double-blinded uh, study with uh, two arms. We have the intervention group, uh, which is receiving the active uh, PCV13. And then we have the control group uh, uh, receiving uh, normal saline. And uh, really what we are doing uh, is that uh, we are vaccinating our research participants um, on day of enrollment. And then we are waiting for some period, about for a period of one month for the vaccine to, to take an effect. And then we are subjecting the, the participants to a pneumococcal challenge. Um, the primary outcome, really, we are assessing a pneumococcal courage on day two, seven as well as day 14 post-inoculation. So far, in terms of study progress, we have recruited over 70 uh, participants and our target sample uh, is 200. So we are quite uh, um, optimistic uh, that um, uh, the the study we are implementing um, is going to be beneficial uh, in terms of uh, uh, informing vaccine development as well as uh, testing new vaccines. And lastly, and perhaps a little bit broader, what is next for the field? What are the broader unanswered questions? I'm going to answer this specifically for the uh, pneumococcal controlled human infection model. Um, so we have a very close collaboration um, uh, with Liverpool, which is where the model uh, was first um, established. And so the the kind of the current trial in Malawi is a replicate, really, of a previous trial that was done in the UK to understand the efficacy of PCV13 at preventing um, pneumococcal colonisation in the nose. A good vaccine, broadly, for pneumococcus should prevent colonisation in the nose, as well as prevent the development of invasive disease, because then you've got both the direct benefits the person receiving the vaccine but also the herd effect whereby the person won't carry bacteria and therefore won't pass it on to others Um, and that's the key key thing in Malawi that we 
um, are seeing. There seems to be this difference. The, the, the children receiving the vaccine seem to have protection against invasive disease, but we're not seeing the herd effects where there, there isn't, this, there isn't a, an associated reduction in vaccine-type carriage. And so what we want to do, because the, the study design is very similar, is just to compare and contrast between the high-income setting in, in the UK and in Malawi to try to understand are there specific differences between the two uh, from an immunological perspective. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the, kind of the sh- short and medium term. Um, within the grants uh, that we have um, from Welcome, we also are going to be looking, um, as time goes by, at different risk factors. And so um, we hope um, to look at, for instance, patient, um, participants who are subjected to household air pollution. So we know that in Malawi, a lot of people cook um, on open fires. And there is um, observational evidence of increased risk to um, of pneumonia for patients for for people who cook on uh, open fires and are subjected to high inhaled pollution. Um, obviously, there's more malnutrition, um, and potentially, uh, once we are um, once we've accrued more data on safety, it would be very very useful to understand the interaction of the model in patients with HIV in a very controlled and and kind of measured manner. That's where if we have enough data of safety, it would be really, really uh, useful to, to, to understand in more detail. That was Dr. Ben Morton, Senior Clinical Lecturer at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, and his colleague, Dr. Anthony Cherwa, study physician and clinical research fellow at the Malawi Liverpool Welcome Trust. 